1: Okay, so like I told you, today is the National Day of Prayer and Reflection. So um, we are going to be, you know, taking a non-prayer aspect to it. We're just going to do a bit of a mental and an emotional check-in. So what we've learned going into COVID-19 was that, uh, of course, you know, isolation, a lot of lockdown, quarantine even, has really um, brought issues like cabin fever, like being stuck at home, being unable to move, um, you know, unable to get, your endorphins going because you can't exercise as you wish Uh, being stuck in with your abuser stuck in with a family you may not like people you may not like a partner you may not like Um, we also learnt of uh, economic turmoil and financial stress not being able to earn you money and all of this snowballing into anxiety and depression and that was you know the global global sort of uh, fear and panic Uh, read a couple of reports saying that um, you know the uh, what, once COVID-19 settles down, what's going to be left to the world is, a pan, is, is another pandemic, a pandemic of mental illness. So um, I think this is the situation. And I wanted to check in with psychologist Dr. Sharona Rawat, who um, quickly pulled herself together to join <laughs> us on this show, didn't you? Thanks so much, Dr. Rawat. Appreciate your time. Hope your lockdown has been uh, relatively calm and safe for you.
0: Thank you, Tedes. It's lovely to be here. Yes, I had to pull myself together
1: quite quickly, but uh, it's all done. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lovely, lovely to have you. But yeah, I mean, you know, we spoke a while ago and we spoke about positivity. We spoke about, you know, adhering to lockdown, saving lives, the fact that you're going to have to do this in order to actually have any chance of having any sort of emotional or mental health, you know, post lockdown. Uh, but the times have changed. I mean, now it's gone over two months the same sort of scenario. Uh, a lot of people have either created a habit of lockdown or they've just come to a point where they're numb. Some are breaking rules. Some are not even adhering to lockdown. But what is very clear is that there's a new normal now and the fear is what happens after lockdown. Maybe if you could talk to me and even from your practice thus far, what are people saying about where they find themselves right now under the um, you know, big challenge that has been COVID-19?
0: I think, you know, when we look at this whole situation, for me, for example, I've worked all the way through lockdown. So, you know, I haven't been exactly totally trapped in a home uh, the way a lot of people have been. Um, and But I've been faced with difficult, different difficulties. For example, a total change in behavior, having to wear masks wherever I go, uh, in the hospitals, wearing a whole lot of PPEs and things like that, um, which is extremely time-consuming. So I myself, even though I'm involved in in a, a lot of the, the frontline work, uh, my schedule and my kind of um, usual exp- experience have changed quite a bit because of what is required in relation to this uh, situation. So I can see how the general... Uh, individual out there would have, you know, panic and would actually be feeling kind of anxious at yeah. this
1: time. Yeah, it's changed, yeah. Dr. David, hasn't it? I mean, when we spoke about it about maybe two months ago, uh, we called, we used the terms of, um, you know, uh, cabin fever. Uh, we spoke about, um, you know, being unable to to move. We spoke about control. Has it changed into something else now? Because now it seems as if a lot of people are, dare I say, a bit more um, worried to the point that they're actually quite about how challenging lockdown is.
0: I think, you know, people have reached a stage of, I I feel like, you know, a little bit of helplessness. Um, And, you know, helplessness and disempowerment are are kind of feelings and conditions that lead towards things like depression and other mental uh, issues and things like that. Um, so, in general, we're looking at the average individual, not the individual that is living in a home with abuse or an individual that's living in extreme poverty um, uh, that kind just the average home. If we're looking at that, we're looking at a huge change in a person's lifestyle. So adjustment, for example, to this total change. At first, it was, I would have to say, maybe just a tad of a, a relief because we all were on this kind of a roller coaster for a long while. And I think it was a little bit of a time out, maybe a fourth time out, which also gave us a little bit of uh, left of a conscience in relation to it. So we looked at it as maybe an opportunity. Okay, it's like three weeks or four weeks, you know, and that would be it. And I think slowly people are starting to realize that that is not it. That is going to be for a long while on, uh, that there are real dangers, uh, that those dangers are life-threatening, um, that it's not only their lives, but the lives of their family, and that it's very unpredictable. And that this illness is something also that there's that not much known about and the information on this illness, even among professionals, continuously changes because everybody is learning as you're going along. Yeah. So for the average individual out there, it's extremely anxiety provoking. Yeah. Um, yeah, so people yeah. are living with that kind of anxiety. Absolutely,
1: and, yeah. yeah. You know, Doctor, I want to talk about some, I think, different issues apart from that, you know, just um, okay. just to just to really streamline it and almost get into the psyche of, of, of the South African right now. Um, you know, it's this, I, I had a conversation about, I feel like I'm constantly being watched, you know, if I want yes. to remove my mask for like, to just breathe a little bit better, a little bit clearer, uh, somebody's yes. tapping me on my shoulder and being like, sorry, sir, you need to put your mask back on. Um, exercise yes is controlled. You know, everything is just coming with a lot more uh, terms and conditions. Um, and and then you also get the other side of it where a lot of people are throwing caution to their uh, to the wind. Some are getting their hair done. You know, some are having the gatherings at home. Some are doing what you should not be doing. So it's almost a tussle that the individual goes through. Why can he do it and I can't? And when I do it, I'm being sort of policed on so many levels. What does that do to a person?
0: You know, I think it's a feeling of being trapped so and disempowered again, as I was saying. So it's like your rights are kind of, you feel as if your rights are kind of being taken away from you. You also feel that you don't have a voice. Because a lot of these things were brought down without uh, public opinion, really speaking. It was considered a state of emergency. And so everything was imposed upon people rather than people having a voice and discussing and coming to some kind of a conclusion. Um, In relation to those individuals that are not following the lockdown and things, I mean, that's a little bit of deviant behavior, I have to say. Um, Because, again, there we are looking at real uh, risks. So if people are actually exposing other people, that's a violation for the reasons. Um, and and it's, it's a danger to, to other people as well, and so that also is a little bit of a grey area. And that individual and those individuals, are, I think, would fall into another arena. The individuals that are trying to follow the rules and are trying to uh, practice what needs to be practiced and behave in appropriate ways and manage the situation, I think, those are the individuals that are feeling quite trapped. And I think how they it would make them frustrated, situation. wouldn't it? Yes, because they need to, I think, reframe this. And I think you need to look at it in a different way. Rather than a disempowering way, I think people need to look at it as an empowerment because you are given the option and the opportunity to actually live better, make better choices, help other people, um, have compassion towards others, um, turn towards your faith, um, you know, become more spiritual, um, you know, that kind of a thing where we actually... I think we need a little bit of a revamp of that within the world we live in at the moment. I think we need to reframe it and use Mm. the time that we now have at our disposal in a positive way to build on those things. And I understand it would be within the capacity of the environment that the person, the individual lives in. Um, And I I, I understand that it would be a bit different for different people. But what I'm saying is, to use these uh, opportunities and the regulations and things to work for you within the parameters of managing the situation yeah, yeah. that would give you a sense of control which takes away the frustration yeah that so Im- would take away the disempowerment it's particularly
1: interesting and you say use this time positively I know my mother for the first time made muffins the other day and they were the best muffins <laughs> I've ever eaten so I think that's that's what you tap into right try something new and see what happens and find yourself but uh, doctor we've we've often spoken about anxiety depression we've spoken about control and helplessness i uh, will come back to financial stress just now but I want To talk about this because we've never looked at it through this particular point, um, the issue of Grief and loss, meaning so yeah. much that one has had to lose during COVID-19. Maybe your wed- uh, your wedding has been cancelled. You were supposed yeah. to get married last month, and now that can't happen. You know, so many students are missing their graduation. They've worked four or five years yeah. to get there, and now they can't. You know, yeah. go to their graduation. Um, somebody was planning an amazing little 40th birthday to celebrate how five coming life and they can't do it. So, talk to me about that whole kind of. I'm at such a loss because whatever I wanted to do in 2020, I can't do now. How are people dealing with that?
0: Absolutely. That's absolutely brilliant, Suresh, because that is an area that gets neglected. You know, a lot of times we look at bereavement and grief and things and we look at it as only in relation to individuals. And obviously in this situation, we're looking at that quite a bit, because we're looking at more of an anticipated grief or bereavement. We're not sure if something might happen to somebody that we love. But that's in relation to people. But people also feel lost in relation to things, in relation to activities, uh, lifestyle, um, and and a whole lot of other things. Any loss, people feel grief and that kind of thing. So that is where the transition also comes in, because with transition, you do give up a lot of things. But you've got to actually look at what it is you're getting and reframe that within the situation that you're in. In that way, you move forward, but you also bring change in. So you take what is good and you keep the good, and you let go of whatever was bad for you. A lot of times, we find as we look at situations like this, for example, most of us are going through financial uh, strain at the moment. Many people haven't earned anything in, in, in lots of months, but what I think more comforting about that is that we're all in it together. So it's not now when you're isolated and on your own. And a lot of times isolation and feeling alone emotionally comes from difficulties you're going through, but we don't realize other people are going through that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah. there's a group situation here as well where we need to look at everybody is also kind of going through the same thing mm. and the, the government uh, elements that they've brought in in relation to the financial assistance, when we do those things, irrespective of whether we feel that it's going to come through or not, when we do those things, we are actually taking control of a situation. Yeah. So when we fill those applications, we're taking control and as we take control, that will help us feel better by reducing our anxiety. Because we
1: feel like we're doing something constructive. Yeah, I want to I link to that, Dr. Thing. David. I want to link to that uh, that that, that uh, point of action that you're talking about uh, back to the whole issue of grief, or you know, losing losing out on something yeah. that you wanted to achieve. Um, the other thing to be to, to bear in mind is that. This isn't going to be here forever, isn't it? So you may have missed out on celebrating something today that you had scheduled, saved and planned for. But Mm. you're still going to get the opportunity, maybe in six months, which is an agonising wait. But you're ultimately still going to get the opportunity again, isn't it?
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, my daughter missed her graduation and they were promised something on TV and it was like, you know, a 20 minute thing that had nothing really much to do with them. So it was a huge disappointment. Um, and people, my one of my daughter's friends overseas had planned um, a destination wedding um, in Cyprus, and uh, that had to be canceled as well because of the travel ban. And, I mean, people in those situations, they, they often lose a lot of money. So they're looking at not only losing the, the, the celebration that they've faced for for so many years and and you know the whole event and the family and the and everybody else's stand that also has had to be changed the people haven't seen for so long enough see again for a while longer um you also need a lot of money and things so there's a lot of grief in relation reaching to that kind of stuff. because people do have fantasies and by fantasy i'm putting in verse commas really we have a, a fear an idea of what we're going to be doing in the near future and what we're going to be doing in the distant future. And so you're extremely right that what happens now at this time, all those things are put on hold. Everything, the entire situation is a situation of uncertainty. However, the situation of uncertainty and the situation of transition is temporary, as you said. The only issue with the temporary nature of it is, how long is this temporary situation going to be lasting? That's the uncertainty. And that question mm. Is I think what actually gets people a little worried, and I think a bit flustered, because the unpredictability is what causes the anxiety. Yeah,
1: doc is so a message here for you? Mm. A message here for you, and some some um, sorts of comments coming through for you. Anonymous says, "I was stuck." Um, with my husband for 60 days at home. I was suicidal on many occasions, but my husband was hard of hearing. It was very, very difficult, Uh, but I just made it. Um, And this is basically the point I want to raise is relationships. A lot of relationships taking a knock. Yeah. Whether you are married, living with your partner, or whether you're simply dating somebody, you know, how important uh, is it to be of a mindset to say, wait a 2nd there they're kind of different rules right now in lockdown. So maybe don't be too dramatic and too, um, you know, um, definitive in your decision making because lockdown is in itself a weird evil that just basically makes everything murky right now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, sun does make everything much more difficult. And those people that are living in dysfunctional situations, um, I think, you know, have, uh, are the hardest to hit, let's put it that way. Um, and we're looking at abuse situations, situations where people don't get along. You know, generally, individuals can be accommodating to a certain level. Um, and, and so for a certain period of time, they might be able to tolerate the situation. But as time goes on, frustrations come in. It becomes harder to ignore and harder to tolerate. I think what's important to note here again is that when it comes to these serious situations and emergency situations, the lockdown. It does not prevent you from getting help. So if you needed to get help to go to a hospital or you needed to come and see uh, me or any mental health professional, I mean, we are easily able to accommodate that because we are working through the situation. So we can accommodate for emergencies. Um, and the hospitals do accommodate the emergencies, um, and I'm talking about even the psych hospital. So if somebody is suicidal and there's an emergency in that relation, there are protocols that can be used. For example, they can go to trauma, and trauma will admit them into the psych unit. So, or they can contact one of us, and we can contact the, the um, psych hospital and get them admitted into the psych unit as an emergency. So emergency are still being addressed. So an individual needs a time out from a situation where they can't actually leave home. Um, they've got nowhere else to go. But they are feeling suicidal. And I'd like to mark this, that this is not something that's just in lockdown. There's a lot of people in general out there who are trapped in situations where they don't have the finances or the means or the social support to leave a bad situation. Yeah. They live with this clinical seven. So we deal with this anyway, even on lockdown period. So with the lockdown as well, those individuals are not there alone. They're not left out there alone. They can use their phone. They can give a call, give us a call or they can get to the hospital, which they're allowed to do, and, and get admitted yeah. um, via the emergency protocol. Yeah. So there are options for the serious conditions out Definitely.
1: there. Definitely. Dr. Ravad, two points to end as you wrap up and I go to a bit more messages here. Um the one that I wanted to talk to you about was um, the big one of the time. Um, there's a great sense of anxiety right now. Um, should I send my my child to school or not? Uh, is school going to be safe? Uh, whether or not the department gets their ducks in a row and you know provides all that they need to provide to school, is the physical act of my child being at school in a time of COVID-19, as the numbers continue to increase, is it the right thing to do or not? You know, must I homeschool? Must I let the year go? But what about this? What about that? It's a great point of anxiety for many. Um, your advice to the many parents who are so anxious right now?
0: You know, I have to say, you know, usually, you know, we don't tell people what to do. We help people allow to make decisions of their own. However, I say, mean, from a personal note, if I had my children in school, I would not send them back to school now. Um, it is extremely hard to regulate adults in relation to wearing of masks, in relation to social distancing, and uh, in relation to washing their hands all the time. So I cannot imagine how they're going to manage school children at that number of individuals in in a small environment, um, and and to monitor what's going on because the natural inclination is to touch our face. Our natural inclination is not to wash our hands every five minutes, and I mean they're not going to be having things like alcohol-based seventy percent. You know, sanitizers and things that children share food sometimes, especially if they're younger. Um, And so my advice would be rather to earn the side of caution, and that's what I would do. Um, In relation to homeschooling, there are lots of options available. Lots of parents are not able to do this on their own so um, because they might have to go to work themselves. Um, And so it becomes a bit difficult. The homeschooling, if you're looking at it from the school, that they have now, which a lot of schools have been doing, where they've been giving the kids online stuff to do. um, Parents have to be constantly involved there are other homeschooling options available so i think parents need to look at whether they want their child to continue which is a possibility and if they're willing to carry on with homeschooling for now which is a huge possibility and lots of options out here in south africa for homeschooling and the homeschooling is excellent the programs are excellent so uh there are those options that, that somebody can turn to should they not want to lose yeah. the year yeah um yeah. if they decide that they can do, can't do it to that they want to do the year, they need to accept that there's a reason for this, there's a purpose for this. We've got to look at the bigger picture, we've got to look ahead at the broader scheme of things and we can gonna decide what is important to us. And um, obviously, the health and well being of our children is very important to us. The thing is, with COVID 19, is we're uh, finding lots of things about, you know, it's not, not affecting children too bad. And but there's lots of research that are well coming out with certain kids who get affected quite badly by this virus. So it's not to cause panic or anything like that. we just with all the illnesses. There's no way of predicting how somebody's going to yeah, respond to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, how children carry it often and it can get then transmitted to an adult. Yeah. And so what happens is you are then increasing the the possibility of infection, widespread infection. Yeah. So from the schools and going into the home. Yeah. So then it becomes redundant then for us to, to social distance and isolate ourselves and wear marks and think if the virus is, is coming home. home. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Dr. Rawat, yeah. thank you for your time. I really appreciate it for that check-in um, with everybody uh, and look forward to talking to you soon.
0: Thank you so much, Shadesh, and take
1: care. You as well. Look forward to the bits of information and advice that you continue to provide. to us, Dr. Sharona Rawat over there.